Welcome to DevOps and Docker Talk. I'm your host, Brett Fisher. And in this episode, my co-host, Nirmal Mehta, and I are joined by Chris Townsend, the engineering manager for Canonical's MultiPass team. MultiPass is my go-to solution for quickly creating local virtual machines of Ubuntu. I teach it in my courses, I've used it for many years, and I was excited to have Chris on to talk about the ways to automate the creation of a VM in MultiPass and dig into the various virtualization backends and networking options. And also talk about MultiPass Blueprints, where in a demo, he shows off how to create a VM with Docker installed in a single command. It reminds me of actually Docker Machine, if you've been around a while. And that also mounts your code directly into the VM and sets a host alias so that the Docker commands will pass through to Docker in the VM transparently. If you can imagine that, it basically means that you can run Docker in the VM and use it from the host as if it isn't in a VM. And then we had some great live audience questions about various features of MultiPass and how to use it for multi-node clustering and exposing VMs to your local network. This is an edited version of a live show from September, 2023. You can join our weekly YouTube live shows and be part of the conversation on Thursdays at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern at bread.live. So please enjoy this episode with Chris Townsend. Are we on? Is this the internet? Yes, it is, Brett. Hi, everyone. Hi, Nermal. Thanks for being here. You, if you're watching live, and Nermal for being my co-host again. So with that, let's bring on Chris. So Chris Townsend is from Canonical, the company that makes MultiPass. Well, you've been there since day one. So you're like original OG multi-pass engineer, now the engineering manager, and you're coming from Tennessee. So welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Yeah, so I am the engineering manager for multi-pass. I've been doing this gig for about the last year and a half or so. But as you mentioned, Brett, I, I've been on multi-pass since day one in 2017. Most of that time spent as the lead engineer and senior engineer for the project and product. So yeah, it's been exciting. Also been at Canonical for 13 years this month. So celebrating that anniversary as well. So that's pretty cool. And just in general, been in the tech industry for almost 25 years. So I've been doing this for a day or two. So yeah, thank you. Nice. I think Chris knows a thing or two. What do you think, Brett? A couple of things. A couple of things. I was told he knew some things. (laughs) I got a real quick question. What's the elevator pitch for MultiPass and why did Canonical create it? I actually don't really know the origin story. Like I just stumbled onto it like a lot of us did the, uh, the early days of virtual machines and running you know, stuff in virtual machines locally. And, and you invented a, an easier way to do that that we really hadn't had before in all the previous tools. And it was kind of, to me, it was almost a, like a, a duh moment of why didn't we have this all along? That this seems like the right way to do it. Where was that origin story? Do you remember that? <laughs> I know it was a while ago. Yeah, a while ago. So yeah, in 2017, Canonical was kind of going through a reorg, if you will. We, we were doing the Ubuntu Touch stuff and getting out of that business. And so one of the ideas was to get Ubuntu in the hands of people on Windows and Mac OS machines. And so multi-pass from the fifth element being that you can do a bunch of different things and write stuff. That's where the name came from. And so we really wanted to aim to get Ubuntu in the hands of these other platforms that we didn't really have a whole lot of people on at the time, if you will. Basically, those folks would, you know, download an Ubuntu ISO image and install it via VirtualBox or Hyper-V or something like that. And so out of that, we said one of our 
values is multi-platform, so Mac OS, uh, Windows, and Linux. And then the second part of that was, let's do it really easy. A lot of these virtual machine managers can be a bit cumbersome. I mean, it's fine for some people if they want to, you know, pull the levers and push the buttons, but we wanted to be a pretty opinionated with multi-pass. And so we wanted a very clean CLI and make it, we, we make assumptions for some of the things that, that we do, but in, in that we make it super easy. So you could say like multi-pass launch, it'll download the latest Ubuntu LTS set it up for you with some default resources and you can get going really quickly doing that. So those are like two of our big visions and values within multi-pass is, is simplicity and multi-platform. Like if, if you did the CLI on one platform, it should be absolutely familiar and basically the same on any of the other platforms. Nice. I was kind of hoping you would say it was Fifth Element because that's one of my favorite movies. So a lot of people <laughs> say that when it's hard to mention, even when mentioning this show, I think I got responses on Twitter or something that was, you know, I think what's the actress's name, Mila Jovovich or something like that. Yeah, Corbin Dallas, stuff like that. All the, all the memes were coming at me. So yeah, and I still use it today. Like this is something where I teach it in my courses because it's such an easy way to spin up a full Ubuntu. It, it's one of the fastest ways if you don't have something like Docker Desktop to just spin up Docker or Kubernetes. And I, I particularly like it because I can spin up multiple ones very quickly versus, I mean, it was less than a decade ago, basically before Multipass, when we were, you know, I remember downloading the ISO of Ubuntu and putting it into VirtualBox and then walking through the install and then making sure I chose all the right choices for a virtual machine. And then either doing that all again or like, you know, taking the VHD or whatever the file format is and copying it and then having to go in and rename the host name and give it a different ethernet. I mean, there was just such a heavy amount of work. Yeah. yeah. Like, or using Vagrant up and mm -hmm. then running Chef or Puppet or Ansible, trying to figure all that out, trying to connect different boxes together. I remember right. those days. Yeah. yeah. People would complain yeah. to me that I, they want to make a virtual machine or we would tell them they need a virtual machine and now they got to learn Vagrant. And then... Yeah. <laughs> and they, <laughs> They're like, I, this is not my job. I don't, I just need to do, I f I've forgotten about the thing I need to do. I'm sure there's like a, a comic strip about, you know, the, where's my keys or whatever from, I'm forgetting the show now, Malcolm in the Middle <laughs> or something like that, where the father's like, gets distracted on different things. And pretty soon he's completely doing something totally different in the garage than he was fixing the pipe or whatever. You're like um, debugging some virtual box, like client extension yeah. uh, problem. Yeah. You just need like a box with Docker. <laughs> yeah, you just need a shell and the ability to install stuff. So we have a range of questions, but I have a list of things that I go through and, and uh, common questions I have. So we kind of, we gave you a laundry list before the show. I think the first one starting out was, okay, so we, you get multi-pass, you can get it, you install it multiple ways. It's all on the website. But once you've got the command line installed, essentially, the first thing you do is you need to make a virtual machine. And right. the first time I used it, I realized, oh, this is like full Ubuntu. Is it just Ubuntu or is it other, like, what are my options there? What, what's the scenario for that? Right. So we cater to our cloud images right now. So that's where, like, if you just say multi-pass launch, you see it's starting to download. It's downloading a, an Ubuntu cloud image, in, in essentially. So that's the one that's just, like, baked into multi-pass. We, we also allow you to get like this Ubuntu core, which is for like the internet of things to, to test those type of things for snap packages or whatnot. 
but our main focus is on these cloud images. So it has cloud in it back then. You can do cloud things. Regarding other distros, so this one's a little bit tricky. So I will say on our Linux versions of Multipass, you can point Multipass launch to a URL or to a local file. And if you have like a cloud image, it will launch that. Now, some of the requirements that we have, it has to have cloud in it already baked in. Well, it's basically the, the main requirement is cloud in it because we set up kind of our local networking with that and pass in a SSH key. So when you say like multipass shell or multipass exec, that key is already there so that those commands will work. Without that, those commands would fail and we basically couldn't even get into the instance right now. So we definitely use SSH for that, not like a, a straight up console or anything. On Mac OS and Windows, that's a bit tricky. Right now, those are not supported. The original reason was is because HyperKit it required booting a kernel directly uh, instead of using the UAFI partition on the cloud images. So if somebody had downloaded a other distro image and didn't have a kernel to boot, the virtual machine wouldn't boot yeah. on Windows. So th these are kind of some other you know features that we've talked about doing, but we have to be really careful about how we want to present those to other users because their experience, again, the simplicity are one of our other uh, core values that is a great user experience. So we have to be really careful about how we design that. So we would want to make sure that if we did say we supported some other particular distribution that worked well for them basically out of the box. So you mentioned networking, like some of the cloud and it, some bootstrapping stuff that makes this experience a little bit more seamless. How do these machines that are our VMs that you're spinning up, how do they start networking and talking to each other? What's going on there? Well, that, that depends on the platform we're talking about. So I, I'll kind of take it per platform. So on Linux, we create a local NATed network. So we create a bridge on your machine and use a DNS mask behind that to hand out IP addresses and resolve domain names. So that's like a local NATed network there that each virtual machine can see and ping each other along with your host machine. And then all those machine, those virtual machines have access to the internet via you know, IP table rules and, and whatnot. On Windows, so we, we support both Hyper-V and VirtualBox. Hyper-V also has kind of a virtual switch with their own DHCP and DNS server built in there. Works pretty much the same way as it does on Linux, except for they're the ones that Microsoft is the one ones in control of that. Um, and there's few idiosyncrasies uh, with that, like the reboots, you can get a whole new subnet, um, which isn't very friendly to your Kubernetes right. cluster or whatnot, right? So that's a problem. And the WSL2 users complain about the same exact thing. I'm not sure, you know, what Microsoft's decision is under the hood of changing the subnet out from underneath you, but it is what it is. VirtualBox, so they have a few different types of networking. They have this NATed networking, which is basically a, a user network with port forwarding. So it's kind of not useful for the Kubernetes and Docker cases, particularly with clusters on that as well, because everything is port forwarded. I'll get into bridging a little bit. So we'll just talk about these basic networkings. So that's why we, that's what we use on there. And then Mac OS uses the VMNet virtualization network that they provide through their hypervisor framework. Yeah, it's cool that you have a lot of drivers and maybe we should make sure that. So we're talking about creating v virtual machines from an easy one liner command line thing. And the one thing that I think is right out of the gate, like if you do a demo of your first 20 minutes in multipass is that 
it is once you have that tool installed, if assuming that it's installed correctly, which it for me has always been, you're one command line away from having a virtual machine running. And there is no walking through a setup and deciding what disk partition you need or defining what kind of IP address setup you want. Like it, it, it just works. It's, it is a one-liner. I was, we were talking before the show, and for those of you that have been around Docker for a while, you'll remember Docker Machine. A lot of us used Docker Machine early days, particularly when we didn't have Docker Desktop. Docker Machine was a part of Docker Toolbox, if I remember correctly. And mm -hmm. we had to use this tool, and it was simply, it, it had really one job, spin up a VM that had Docker installed so we could use Docker as if it was on our machine, but it would do actually quite, it, it felt a little similar to Multipass, but the nice thing about Multipass is it gives me a full Ubuntu VM, not just a Docker only sort of feature set. And it gave me that one line install of, I'm gonna download this image. It's already gonna be ready to run. You mentioned Cloud Init. For those that are maybe new to Cloud, Cloud Init is a specific, it's an open source tool that goes into different distributions. It's always in Ubuntu as far as I know, and it allows you to customize the first boot of your, we call it cloud initialization, I guess is maybe what it stands for, Bootstrap. but it's really for any, yeah. yeah, it's really for any VM you're starting up. And I learned that pretty quickly on this, how to, like, if I want Kubernetes or Docker installed in it, I just can play with that cloud init script. It's not terribly complicated and it's in the way it's formatted. And I was able to very quickly within the first day, have this machine running Docker and then another one running Kubernetes. And then like a lot of people will probably ask about three different swarm nodes. And it was just, it was quite intuitive rather than I'm not going to, I'm going to pick on VirtualBox for a minute because they're easy to pick on. Like you get this GUI and there's a thousand different options and toggles and buttons and settings and it comes blank. So you're like, I don't, what okay, do I, do? I want new VM. And then you're like, and you get a thousand choices and a thousand. Do I want, what kind of, do I want, I'm trying to think, what kind of hard drive connection do I want? What type of USB connection do I want? Like there's all these different choices about hardware. And the nice thing is you all smooth make that, it's, I feel it very, it's very much like Docker where it's, Batteries included, but swappable, where it's easy to get started. But if you want to customize all that other stuff later, you totally can. Exactly. That is definitely our mission. So with that, you have drivers. I'm, I'm trying to build us up to that. You have these idea of drivers and that the drivers, is that strictly for networking? Or are they, I'm trying to think if there's other types no. of drivers. Oh, well, it's for the virtualization. It's, Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's for the diff different hypervisors. So on, on Linux, the hypervisors, we support QMU. So we actually include a upstream version of QMU in our snap package. So it's 8.0 right now. So it's pretty fresh QMU. We also support LexD, which is the canonical container and virtual machine product that, that we have. So we, we will support that as well as a uh, virtualization tech, a technology. Although they use QMU under the hood as well. So it's kind of a, a one-off, but it's nice to have like canonical products talking to each other. So that's yeah. good. We also interface with libvirt, although we don't have a whole lot of users with that. So that one's not getting as much of attention from us as developers right now. So, you know, if we get more requests for libvirt support, you know, we'll listen, but that one kind of gets left behind. And then on Windows, our drivers are a Hyper-V um, on Windows Pro and higher. And then on any version, VirtualBox. So we interface with their CLI and do a lot of that stuff that we're talking about in their GUI. We just kind of make the decisions for you. And then on Mac OS, we use QMU again, using the hypervisor framework acceleration that's built into Mac OS on both Apple and Intel Silicon there. We also support VirtualBox on the Intel Silicon right now. I know they are supporting Apple Silicon and 
you know, look into supporting that in the near future. Yeah, VirtualBox yeah. supporting Apple Silicon. Yeah, because yeah. I haven't had to have VirtualBox installed for a while now, so it, it's been nice. <laughs> <laughs> so once you have this VM up, right? So we've got this virtual machine up using one of these drivers. Uh, how do I interact? I can SSH into it, supposedly, right? That's made probably the first thing that someone does. But how do I get? How do I interact with that virtual machine if I'm using it for? you know, development or running Docker Swarm or Docker or Kubernetes or something on there? How do I interact or, or get files in and out? Right. So, so there are a couple of ways you can interact with an instance. One is just multi-pass shell instance name, and then you get into an actual shell of that instance and you can do everything that you uh, would normally do in a Linux machine at, at this case. There's also multi-pass exec. So what that will do is execute commands in the instance, but you're always kind of in the context of your host command line. And interacting, copying files in and out, we also have a multi-pass transfer command, so you can copy files in and back out of uh, multi-pass. And also there's there are mounts, so you can mount your a local directory into your instance and then have all those files. And, and for some context, yeah, the minute you want to move beyond Docker desktop or Rancher desktop or uh, one of these tools and you want a multi-node, a lot of these uh, GUI, easy container running things for Mac and Windows, even sometimes on a Linux desktop, they don't really support that because they're usually designed for a single machine developer workflow. And if you want that multi-node experience, I usually recommend people to jump into multi-pass because as you will see, it's so easy. But a couple of years ago, I think it was, you all announced that not only could you just create a multi-pass VM and you could install whatever you want on it, <laughs> you could install it as we always could, uh, but there was also a specific workflow now that would give you a little bit easier time if you just wanted to use the VM for Docker or if you just, if you wanted to have access to Docker in the VM and that there's your setup. Hey listeners, in this edited version of the show, we've removed the demos. So if you want to check those out, check the description for links to the original live stream. Now back to the show. We have some questions asking, I use Multipass 2 on Windows 11. It's very convenient to use. By default, the disk images are stored in the C drive. How to change it to my V drive? Yeah, so we, we have this documented on uh, multipass.run slash docs. We have an environment variable we, we can set called multipass underscore storage. And if that environment variable is set, it will, multipass will use that that path that you have set for that. So if you want to use like V colon backslash multipass, something like that, you would want to set multipass underscore storage. And we do have that document on how to go through that full procedure by setting a, a system environment variable, multipass will see that. You have to copy over some data in this case because we use a client certificate because multipass on Windows listens on a, a TCP port that's open for other things to connect to. So we want to make sure that you're a legitimate client connecting to multipass and not some nefarious actor that's going to do bad things to, to your instances or create an instance and suddenly they've rooted your system or something. Yeah, we have some more questions here. So will multipass work with Hyper-V cluster? I say no right now. I don't really have any experience with Hyper-V cluster itself, but basically we just use the PowerShell scripts that the Hyper-V manager comes with and just call those. So maybe you can try it, but I, I haven't tried it. So mileage. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's using okay, so that's it wasn't it's not doing direct system calls. It's using PowerShell kind of like a shim in the middle that that's what's yeah. calling the the Hyper-V system. Yeah, yeah, and there's I mean knowing PowerShell, there's probably there's a lot of PowerShell remoting. I I used to be a Windows admin many lifetimes ago, and PowerShell remoting is a thing, so if the right ports are open and the right PowerShell command is I could see maybe in the right Windows versions like if everything's perfect but that would be a PR. Pull request accepted. And so we should mention, right, this is all open source, right? <laughs> this is all on GitHub uh, or not all of it or some of it? Not all of it. 90% of it is. Okay. We've held back a little bit on the anything Windows and Mac OS related right now because we're a business as well. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. But everything Linux that we do, the whole Linux is completely open source. And most everything on the Windows and Mac OS part of it is open source as well. But it does cause a little bit of contention with the community when that becomes apparent. You know, we understand, but yeah. you know, at, at the end of the day, we are a business and we try to find, you know, business cases and uh, ways that maybe we can monetize this a little bit in the future. We, you know, it's not going to be a big money maker ever, but maybe there's some things of new features we can unlock for enterprises or something like that. That, right. Uh, that's for a product manager to talk about, not me. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, and I'll be honest, like most of my experience and the reason I even assumed it was open source is because if I have, you know, like when Apple Silicon first came out and I was jumping on the M1 bandwagon and I wanted to get multipass working and every, it was like every other tool was trying to adapt to the ARM on Mac kernel scenario, I was just diving into issues and, you know, upvoting things and commenting on things. And so that's where most of my interaction is that this is essentially like the support forum and the feature request, it is. right? Yeah. Yeah. And even on the other platforms where part of it's closed source, you know, our, our public GitHub repo for issues is put, please put in bug serves feature requests in there for anything. It's fine. This assumption of the all the knowledge, the, the permissions, the fine mounts, even what is a mount, like all these things, we're entering a world where, you know, People don't know what a PS2 port is or a serial port or, you know, that, none of the things that we all had to grow up with. And we continue, you know, we, new people show up and they've got this gap and it's our job to help them fill that gap. So one last question here to round it out. Is it possible to expose the internal bridge network to other networks via multipass? I will say it's possible, but you're going to have to run your own IP tables rules or NF table rules on there to do that. We won't set that up for you like we do for the NATA network. But if you know NF tables or IP tables, depending on what's active on your machine, if you know it, I think it's possible to modify your, your rules for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think their question might have been related to just like getting it, exposing it to the physical network. Yeah. And I'm a Mac person. So on Mac, I've, where I've got QEMU, is that yeah. also possible for me to take the multi-pass VM and expose it directly to my Mac's physical network? Is that something yes. that it has? Is that a QEM feature? Yes. So on, on Mac, QMU, you can do dash dash. You can do multi-pass networks, and then you'll see a list of networks that can possibly be bridged, usually like your Wi-Fi or something like that. And then if you say dash dash network and that network name, that network interface name, QMU has a special bridged mode for the VMNet driver that it will put it on the local network, just like I did for VirtualBox. On Linux, only the LexD uh, 
driver mm. support set at this time, but um, on our next roadmap cycle, the QMU uh, driver will support that as well. We'll be getting that in. Yeah. I didn't ask this, but b- because QEMU makes me think this, is it possible with multi-pass to run multi-arch VMs? So like on my Mac, I can run an Intel or on an Intel Mac, I can run a ARM VM. Is that possible? So let's see, two, three years ago, maybe I did a, a spike of that, trying to do emulation on that. It, it was workable, but the experience is pretty poor. It's really slow because yeah. it uses like the TCG accelerator and just-in-time compilation and it was really bad. Now, the interesting thing that we've had some requests for is Rosetta 2 on uh, M1s, M2s does that now and actually runs quite smoothly to run like x86 VMs on an M1. So that's something that we are considering, although it's not like directly on our roadmap to do soon. But I do think that's interesting. The one caveat is, is that we try to like to keep parity across platforms. So if we say we right. support cross-platform on Mac, then we need to think about Windows and Linux and what that story is. Mac is yeah. kind of a, a target platform for us, so we might give it a little special attention. Well, and the same is true on Windows, right? Like uh, a majority of my students are on Windows for my Docker and Kubernetes courses. And if I didn't ask, I would probably get this question later, is... I think your demos today were all multi-pass on the Windows host, so it's a multi-pass.exe. Is there a support or an idea around multi-pass in WSL2? No. For one, it needs a virtualization hypervisor available, and WSL2 inside is, is, I mean, it's a VM with containers basically now, right? But there's no nested virtualization in that. For one, two, we are a snap package, snap supports coming along, mm. you know, with system D on that. But I, I think there's still a little bit of work to do there. But the main thing is never, I don't think, nested virtualization. Now, the interesting thing would be can multipass drive WSL2 instances. And that's something we've talked about. So yeah, if, there's, like mul- if there's interest there, yeah, throw, you know, put in a GitHub requests. Yeah. Or yeah, for you or directly to Microsoft for multi, I mean, there's a lot of questions. I definitely get a lot of questions around, you know, because multi, multiple WSL2 instances, I think are all just different containers in the same single Linux kernel. And people want this experience of, they think of WSL2 as like the easy Hyper-V and they know in Hyper-V they were able to create multiple VMs and they want the same. And so I I can see all these requests. There was one last question on on WSL2 showing up the last second. With uh, some comments saying that I've been using Multipass for some time now on MacBook. It's easy to use. I've set up multi-cluster, Kubernetes cluster with a kube spray, no issues. But the big issue with using Multipass is mounting a folder in, a, in the into the VM. Yep. It does not have the exact exec bit. Yeah, that's right, because you're going yeah. NTFS to XFS or whatever. Yeah, whatever the, the VM uses. Any timeline for adding this exec bit for the mounted folder slash files inside the VM? Yeah. So you've got yeah. an executable on your host machine, you're mounting it into your VM, but the exec is not there. So you can't right. execute. Yeah, his specific example files. is Terraform apply command inside the VM. It fails because Terraform was trying to create a file with executable permission, but it couldn't because it's technically running on the host. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. We've 
we have a kind of a longstanding bug about this and we get pinged every now and then like you guys going to fix this you're not giving any, att- any attention and really it, it part the issue is in tfs and, and mm-hmm. making that look like a, a linux file system inside the instance i would love to be able to get around that but as of right now i, I don't really know the answer of how to do that i, I wish i had a better answer but that, it is yeah. what it is right now and there's no real reverse mount right like you can't there's no way to make a a directory in the Linux VM show up on the host, like through Windows sharing, so that he could run. I'm trying to imagine if he could do it the other way. So, <laughs> so one interesting thing uh, that popped in my head just as you're talking about that, we have this new feature um, with mounts called dash dash native. And on Windows, it's actually an SMB share that gets mm-hmm. shared inside the the Linux VM. And I know like SIFS is a lot better about handling the translation between Windows and, and Linux on that. So I, I haven't tried it, but it might be worth a shot to try and mount with uh, dash dash native and see if the execute bit is settable that way. Mm, um, just a shot in the dark. Yeah. yeah. Come back into the comments once you try it and throw it in the comments because uh, that way other people watching this later will go, you know, it's kind of like that person on uh, Reddit that says, I'm going to go troubleshoot this. And then you, and then there's nothing, there's no reply below. And you're like, did it work? OP, <laughs> did you please deliver OP, yes. Jay-Z. <laughs> Last thing, just to kind of wrap up here, what are some things to look forward to with Multipass maybe in, in the future or something that maybe you're excited about that's coming up or recently delivered? Yeah, so we are actually working on a real graphical user interface. This interface hopefully is opinionated and clean as our CLI. So we've been hard working on that, iterating over the design. It'll be written in Flutter for cross-development, I mean, cross-platform support. So we have one toolkit to rule them all, if you will, on that. Plus, Canonical has uh, invested a pretty good amount in Flutter. So it'd be good to have a nice GUI for that. So we're hoping to have that out by the end when 2404s uh, released. No promises, but that's our goal. Another really big feature that we are working on that should be finishing up fairly soon is snapshotting of VMs. It ended up being a really huge feature for us as far as the complexity, because we're trying to take away all the management of snapshots and make it really super easy for you for a, a user to manage these snapshots and be able to roll back and forward and whatnot on that. So those are two big ones. The last one that's in the works right now is cloning of VMs. It'd be really nice to have like a base VM and then just start creating clones of that because you've bootstrapped everything and, and you know play around with something that already has all your toys installed already. So th- those are the big three that I'm I'm really excited about right now. There's a lot more on the horizon and we have more than enough on our plate to, to keep this thing going. That sounds awesome. Thanks for nice. that, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, it is one of, it is my favorite VM making tool on my local machine and I, I'm excited for the new features. We're going to have to have you back on the show when there's a big, there's a big re- re- announcement about that to show it off. And uh, you can go to multipass.run or if you're listening on the audio, multipass.run is the way to find that. Or just use, like if you're on Mac or Linux, use your package manager of choice. I think there's, you know, you said it's a snap package. I think I get it on Mac through brew and try, give it a shot. Try, I'll, try I'll it mention today. it's on Choco. It's on Choco as Choco. well on Windows. Nice. Yeah. Choco on Windows. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for being here. Thanks so much to your team for making this wonderful free tool for us. 
Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye.